Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are across this large, wide continent we call Australia. This is The Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio, and you are with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle! So, what is coming up in today's show, Mon? Well, we have a bunch of stuff coming up, which we already know about because... It's a delayed broadcast that you're listening to. Broadcast. So, we've got a great interview with Dr. Eddie Ramirez, mm-hmm. a research doctor from Weimar Institute in the United States, who was recently uh, did a presentation on the Adventist health message to Harvard University. He's a very um, gifted They want to doctor. particularly know about the Adventist Health Message because we are one of the four longest living people groups on the planet. So if you want to know mm-hmm. more about that, then stay tuned. And we also have a story about a rhinoceros. Yes, a rhinoceros in the Philippines. A native a rhinoceros native to the Philippines. How did it get there? Mm-hmm. And why did somebody eat it? Yeah, ew. We have some good news about uh, paralysis of all things. Oh, and hey, Lyle, ask you what I'm grateful for. Uh, what are you grateful for? Well, you know how I just moved up from New- Melbourne? Yes. Somewhere in all my packing, I oh, lost my crochet hooks and I just found I them know. all. I know. I just suddenly realized what you're grateful for because you talk about your crochet hooks through the program. Yes, I love them. So I, I finally unearthed them. I unboxed them and I'm very happy about it. What are you grateful for this morning? Fog. Fog? Fog. <laughs> <laughs> You're so weird. <laughs> Why are you grateful for fog? It's just been okay. It's a beautiful backdrop to the last two mornings. It's been in the in in the in the in the local paper. Mm-hmm. The most spectacular sunrises that you've been missing out on, mm-hmm. but I haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, just the most spectacular sunrises here in Newcastle. You can even begin to imagine. It's just been like blood red, and that's due to the fog. With fo- no, no, no. It's not due to the fog, but the fog underneath of it just sets it off. Just a little thin, wispy layer of fog. Oh. Just amazing. Sounds like a photographer. Bring my camera tomorrow morning. Now, hey, dear listener, Bring if you want to join us for the live show, it's actually very easy to do. There's two different ways you can Way do it. Way more fun. Mm. First of all, you can jump on our website, which is faithfm.com.au, and just press play on the live stream. Or they can download an app. Yes, indeed you can. You can download the TuneIn app to your mobile device and take Faith FM with you anywhere you go. And, of course, the great thing about listening to it online is you never have to worry about a dodgy signal. Some people, they come to me like, oh, my signal's not so great. And I'm like, well, you're doing it wrong. And I know this for sure. I don't listen to Faith FM. On, I always listen to it on yeah, my Yeah, it's on so much easier on TuneIn. And this is how I listened to it as I drove all the way from Melbourne to Sydney. I just popped, um, just plugged in my phone into my car stereo and, um, yeah, just opened the app and listened to Faith FM and it was wonderful. Faith FM Australia, I should note. Yes. Yeah, put so it, join us on the live show. Put it in your favourites. We have a great program coming up today, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after this song. We have a high priest up in heaven. Thank you. 
piece called In the Sanctuary. That is actually um, off my all-time favourite album. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful album. It's called Pillars of Our Faith. That was uh, Lady Lovesmith and Reggie Smith okay. um, in the Sanctuary. It's it's a it's an album called Pillars of Our Faith, um, and each song is a, is about one of the doctrines from the Bible, but it really just describes how beautiful like our beliefs are. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, it's an amazing awesome. album. Okay, so what have we got for today's quiz? Today's quiz is a who am I quiz. Which mm-hmm. Bible character is this? Mm-hmm. Um, they do start a little bit obscure, but they are going to get easier. And this is definitely someone we all know, so don't be discouraged when, you, <laughs> when I read out this first clue. Okay, the first clue is, I said, quote, each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshipping the Baal of Peor. Mm-hmm. That's a major Bible character. It's a major Bible character, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If you think you know who that person is who said that. I know who that person give is. Give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text me 0491-064-669. Or just message me via Facebook, Faith FM Australia. And if you can get it right, I will send you a copy of the Hacksaw Ridge book. A wonderful book. Really good read. Yeah, fantastic. That's a, that's a great story right there. We've been giving a few of those away lately. Oh, they're really good. People yeah. are loving them. I yeah, for sure. Okay, so what are you talking about today, Mon? Oh, I have such positively good news. different radio. You have good news. I have such good news. You always have good news. I know, I know. But today is like a particularly good news. Like for one, you know, I found my crochet hooks. Hooray! We have a crochet party. But also, this is like the news that I have is something that I think all of us at some point, as as a, you know, even especially as a kid, have thought about what it would be like to be paralyzed, mm-hmm. and then just. You know, cause I remember being a kid and finding out there was like, you know, medical conditions that weren't curable, which just boggled my mind. How could yeah, something yep. not be fixable? Yep. Surely everything can be fixed. Anyway, well, guess what this story is about? Uh, curing yes. paralysis. Yes. How good is that? Okay, so there's been um, six people uh, with severe spinal injuries who have regained motor function in their hands and fingers for the first time in years, thanks to a new, inexpensive, non-invasive, non-surgical spinal treatment. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. No, this is so cool. I don't, it sounds so simple. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. So, um, so before, the, at the beginning of the study, the patients were unable to move their hands at all, right? So they couldn't, they couldn't do simple things. Like they couldn't open a bottle of water. They couldn't turn a doorknob. They couldn't even operate, um, operate like a mobile phone. Okay, so these are people who've got some level of mobility? Um, to some extent, I think maybe they can move their arms up and down, but they can't really do yeah. anything with their hands. Yep. Yep. And 
um, and, you know, and some of these people have been paralysed for over 10 years. But okay, so what kind of paralysis is this? Is it like where they've broken a spinal cord or? Well, there's, there's different ones. So, um, it, but it's all related to do with uh, motor function. So, some of them, they've been paralysed for you know, decades, mm-hmm. but some of them in this study, you know, they've been uh, paralysed for as little as one year. Okay. So, they had like a, a variety of people, but they all had success. Um, so, they, they did a... Eight therapy sessions in four weeks, and what what the researchers do is they attached electrodes to the patient's skin um, that applied electrical currents at varying frequencies and intensities to stimulate the spine's uh, secretary. Okay, and the researchers call this treatment, and forgive me if I mispronounce this, transcutaneous enabling motor control. Yeah, I think you probably mispronounced or, that. Or, or <laughs> there's a very strong impression you mispronounced that. If you're a medical person, you'd be you know, the medical Just people out there ears. cringing right now. Or TEMC. Okay. TEMC. T- that, that's, that sounds better. And after just four sessions, um, these patients started seeing positive results. So one of them, uh, her name is Cecilia Villarule. Uh, she has uh, injury resulting from a car accident 13 years ago, right? Right. And she says, about midway through the sessions, I could open my bedroom door with my left hand for the first time since my injury 13 years ago. And I could open new water bottles, which previously someone else had to do for me. It's wow. Just, yeah. And my bedroom door, that's like, yeah, just lean some weight on the downward, you know. Yeah, maybe it's if a, it's a doorknob and you can't twist it. But if it was one of those ones with a handle on it, uh-huh. you could yeah. sort of think, okay, you know, it wouldn't take too much. But a new bottle, like a new water yeah, bottle. Yeah, sometimes that, I have to get someone to help me with yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. My hands are soft. <laughs> But um, yeah, but you know, she she goes on to say, um, and this is also very interesting. Um, uh, Most people with a spinal cord injury say they just want to go to the bathroom like a normal person because apparently it doesn't just affect your hands; it affects your your bladder. And um, and this lady says, you know, small accomplishments like opening jars, bottles, and doors enable a level of independence and self reliance that is quite satisfying and have a proud. Profound effect on people's life, which you can just imagine. Imagine, you know, that you just you're kind of helpless to do the basic things. Like, I mean, I think not being able to do something huge like drive, you know, just get a chauffeur, you won't feel, you know, hugely encumbered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you can't like even open a door to let yourself through, yeah, now that would that would be um, that would be really really hard to deal with. Yeah, so the treatment, um, <clears throat> so after 60 days of undergoing this treatment, uh, the patients, uh, they were able to display maintained grip strength um, and they also improved their bladder function, blood pressure and cardiovascular function. So all these... all these, um, all these That's a lot of health benefits right yeah, there. It's huge. So all these test people, they're now able to dress themselves, they're now able to feed themselves without the help of a caregiver. They're just... Oh, I'm so happy for them, and I really hope this—you know—this kind of research okay, so goes run, further. Run, run through with me very just very quickly again. What how, what do they actually do in the treatment? What are they? How are they accomplishing this? Okay, so they they attach electrodes, ele- electrodes, electrodes to the patient's skin. Yeah, and then it, it then. It, they have electrical currents with yep. different frequencies yep. and different yep. intens- intensities, and it stimulates the spine's circuitry. Okay, so just hook up some jumper leads kind of thing and we're away. <laughs> Lyle. <laughs> Are you trying to suggest that all they ever did was a jump start? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but so so is, it, is it kind of like, okay, um, there's, there's a break in, because nerves run fire electrically, of course, and there's a break in the circuit there somewhere, and so you're just bridging the gap or are you just stimulating the nerves so that it starts to fire more efficiently. Do you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. And th- there is something about this story that does make me ask a question. And, you know, and that, and that being, it sounds so simple. Why didn't we ever find that one before? Yeah, I, I can't answer that. I know, right? I was like, huh? It's just, you know, it all took a little bit of electricity to applied to the body. I don't know. Just I mean, we've been we've been experimenting with electrical shock therapy ever since electricity has been around. It has been yeah, dangerous I, I don't pretty think much. This is, <laughs> this is so this is this bad. is not not electrical shock therapy that we're talking about. No, no. So if you're paralysed, just don't, you know, don't go out and grab the uh, the nearest electrical cord and, and 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 grab it in one hand and plug it into the wall in the other kind of thing. <laughs> no, I want to tell you some other stories. Um, so this one's a bit cheeky, uh, and, and I, I enjoy I enjoy a cheeky story. Okay. So, uh, Japanese bus drivers, um, they're, they're on strike at the moment. Um, they're doing a tactic to demand better job security from their employers. Um, but 
They're doing it in such a funny way. Usually when you think of a strike, you think, all right, the, you know, the bus drivers are not going to pick you up anymore in, in the morning and take you to work or anything. Yeah. Right. So these, these Japanese bus drivers have come up with a different way of doing this. So, so that they don't inconvenience people because usually strikes inconvenience the little people like you and I, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're continuing to do their bus runs <clears throat> and they're still picking everyone up and taking them wherever they need to go, but they're just refusing to take money for it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> That's that a great, great kind of strike right there. I know. So everyone, like, they can still do their job. Because usually when paid. people go on strike, just everybody hates the people yes, on strike. That's because right. it's just, That's you know, right. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. So, and then it's really like, you know, just the big, the big bosses waiting for them to, you know, feel stupid enough that they go back to work. But this way, everyone's happy apart from the bosses because they're getting the, <laughs> the money, the profit. Isn't that so? Funny. Uh, I wish we could have that kind of a strike here in Australia for a uh, <laughs> yeah. few weeks or so. Yeah, if you're planning a strike, maybe this is giving you an idea. Like, rethink your strike strategy. And I have one more quick story. Okay. Um, so, you weren't here a few weeks ago when I told this to Christopher um, about how Hawaiian Airlines have stopped um, handing out uh, toxic sunscreen and are handing out non-toxic sunscreen because the, the toxins in the sunscreen actually affects the coral reefs in Hawaii. Okay, yep. But mm-hmm. Hawaii itself have just passed their first ever law banning the sale of toxic <laughs> sunscreen. How I did I know that you were going to have a greeny story? It would be impossible to get through the morning without you, one having a greeny story. Do you use sunscreen? No. Why would, it, why, I would it, why would I use sunscreen? I actually don't know that many people I have, who use I have sunscreen. Sri Lankan genes. Why would I use sunscreen? <laughs> yeah. I was born with I sunscreen. I am concerned about seeing that kind of chemicals. And I know a lot of people who don't use sunscreen. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I thought that was just a good like, little takeaway story there that uh, Hawaii is actually just banning the whole of toxic sunscreen altogether, which is good for the coral reefs and I'm guessing good for the humans too. And maybe we should do the same here for our Great Barrier Reef. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, we're going to have a song now. This is Hilary Scott and the Scott family come to Jesus.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Hilary Scott and the Scott family uh, with Come to Jesus. And we're doing something a little bit different this morning, Mon. We're supposed to be having a new segment right mm-hmm. now, but instead of that, we have uh, Dr. Edgar Ramirez on the phone because he has a very, very busy schedule. Uh, Dr. Ramirez, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Now, Dr. Ramirez, uh, just a little bit of background. Um, you're from uh, Weimar Institute, is that right? That's right. Weimar Institute in Northern California, east of Sacramento. That's where we are located. Okay, wow. and I was uh, I was actually fortunate enough to catch uh, um, Dr. Ramirez while he was uh, lecturing in New Zealand, um, which is it's not Australia, but it's a little bit closer. So uh, yeah, next next time you're in this part of the world, um, Dr. Ramirez, um, you need to uh, head across the ditch here and join us in Australia. Yes, I am actually going to be there at the beginning of August. So maybe we can uh, cross paths there in the area of, of Sydney. I'll be, I'll be doing some uh, some commitments there. You'll have to join us live in the studio for a part two then. Yeah, sounds great. Absolutely. Now, um, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about this morning, uh, Dr. Ramirez, and, and the first one is that um, uh, some months ago you were invited to go to Harvard University to uh, do presentations on the Adventist health message. So I've got two questions there. First of all, how would you describe the Adventist health message in in in, in brief in a, in a nutshell? And then, um, secondly, after that, then uh, how did you, how was it that you ended up at uh, at Harvard um, presenting on this subject? So, how would you describe the Adventist health message? Well, the Adventist health message can be summarized in eight principles, which is the principles of New Start, which is good nutrition for the end, E exercise, W for water. S for sunlight, T for temperance, which means moderate use of the good things, abstinence of the harmful things, A, fresh air, R, rest, and T that encompasses psychological, emotional, relational, and spiritual aspects of the person. So it's an integrative way of seeing health. And it's interesting that uh, when you see, uh, for example, uh, the longest living people on earth, the Adventists are among that group because they follow these principles, which means that when you put them in reality, they do make a big difference. Absolutely. Now, is that just uh, longevity or, or is it also uh, quality of life that um, that the health principles bring? Yeah, and that's a very good point because some people say, I don't want to live too long. You know, I'm going to be having all these boys uh, bone problems and, and I'm going to be losing my memory and so forth but that's not the case when you practice these principles you have actually quality of life which means you're able to do many more things with good quality of life as you apply these principles in the real life oh, Fantastic, now whereabouts do Adventists get these eight principles from? Yeah, well, those principles are actually found in the Bible. And, and this is the interesting thing. In America, for example, um, uh, sadly, many Christians happen to be the most sick people in America. If you go to the southeast of America, all that area is where you find the most sickness. Because sadly, some Christians don't practice those principles that are found in the Bible. So... When you apply those principles, there are blessings from the very beginning when God creates Adam and Eve, starts giving them health principles, principles of healthy relationships, principles of diet, principles of exercise, principles of relationship with God, and so forth. So these are principles that are foundational in the Word of God. Okay, so how was it that you ended up doing presentations at uh, Harvard on biblical health principles? That's right. Well, I teach a research class. And um, what I do, um, I, I tell my, my students, look, one thing is to learn theory. Another thing is to do practice. So I want you from the first day of class, I put them to start writing down scientific studies. And um, after they practice and so forth, there comes a point in which uh, they're getting pretty good at it. And um, 
we had the opportunity of submitting a group of studies at Harvard University, and they were accepted. You know, there's a very prestigious university with very high standards, and thank to God, um, the research that we submitted got accepted. So we end up uh, presenting four scientific uh, studies there, demonstrating what, that when you put these uh, principles, uh, these health principles of the Adventist lifestyle, uh, mental health improves, cardiovascular health improves, um, and overall health is benefited by applying those principles. That's fantastic. Now, just um, looking at your uh, your schedule of uh, presentations you've got in New Zealand at the moment, one of the things that you're presenting on there is uh, on, on changing your genes. Now, I thought that if I'm born with something and it's in my genes, it's just something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. What What's this presentation about as far as, um, you know, epigenetics? That's right. Well, um this uh, presentation is about the fact that you may have the gene inside of you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the gene needs to start. Think about it like your apps in your phone. Not because you have the app, that means that the app is running. So uh, think about this way. There are apps for health. There are apps for disease. There's genes for health. There's genes of disease. Mm -hmm. And our choices, the current research is indicating that many of those inherited genes actually can be shut down or turned on. Some people in the audience are interested. I actually recorded a series of programs on the topic. If you Google uh, 3ABN Australia, I had a series of interviews, more than 20 programs. You can find them and contact them, and uh, they'll be happy to, to tell you how you can access those those presentations. Fantastic. Yeah, of course, we have a lot of uh, 3ABN programming that comes through here on Faith FM at times as well. So um, we can certainly um, get a connection to we'll, – we'll, we'll find a, a link where we can find out more about uh, uh, changing your genes, switching off all of the bad ones. Now, you're also doing some presentations, I noted there, on um, brain recovery from drug use. Now, all of us have friends who have uh, used you know, recreational drugs at some stage in their life, and we see the scars. You know, maybe they're, they're, they're dealing with, um, you know, depression or um, you know, you know, other other issues, or, or maybe there's just a little bit not like not as sharp, or they're just developmentally delayed because of that. Uh, how does it? How does the brain actually recover from uh, drug abuse? There is a principle in which uh, uh, we know that the brain can change. The brain is plastic. And think about this way is as paths that are formed over the grass. In the same way, there's paths that are formed in your brain, which makes habits strong and, um, and so forth. So as a path that you do in the grass, if you stop walking on that path, then suddenly the grass will start growing again and that pad would slowly will start disappearing. In the same way, because our brain is plastic, because our, our brain can change, those paths that we may have formed by habits that are cultivated or inherited, there is hope to make changes as we start making the opposite change. And the thing of it is, is that we're actually not alone. God is more than willing and able to give us the victory. Mm -hmm. Even when you analyze a program like Alcoholic Anonymous, you will see that God is part of that equation that they use to help people overcome that alcohol in the same way our God is almighty and can help overcome the addictions and so forth that we may have created. So when we apply an integrative approach, not only uh, the diet, but the exercise, the change of the thoughts, and you combine this with the help of divine power, somebody can have the victory over those 
addictions. It's possible, and we actually help many people gain that victory. So it's basically the brain rewiring itself then to form a uh, an alternative path to bypass the negative ones. Would that be a good summary of what you're talking about? That's right. Basically, that's, that's what it is. The brain is constantly rewiring. The fact that you can learn something new tells us that there must be a some changes in those connections inside the head. But me as a doctor, I cannot change those connections inside the brain. Even with surgery, this is way too advanced to do. We need a power bigger than ourselves to help us gain those victories. And that's what research shows. Mm-hmm. For this, is example, this, is where God, this is where God comes into this whole equation, isn't it? Because, you know, the mm-hmm. Bible says that there's no temptation taken us, but, you know, such as is common to man, but God is able to make a way of escape. And so what you're saying is that God is able to rewire our brain. That's right. And it's, research shows very clearly that programs for addictions in which God is not included is a program that is not as effective as those ones in which the spiritual factor is a common denominator Mm. because you need that spiritual factor to help you change those connections inside the brain. Okay, so moving on, we've, uh, we've got a few minutes left, and I really want to talk about Alzheimer's. I noticed that you are doing presentations on Alzheimer's. It's something that I think affects all of us. Um, with, you know, all of us have relatives or friends who suffer from Alzheimer's, and I think all of us uh, in the back of our minds have this fear that one day we would end up with that. I think there are a lot of us that would you know, just rather die before we, we lose our minds. Uh, what what is the latest research in relationship to Alzheimer's and how Alzheimer's can be either uh, prevented or delayed? Um, what are you finding with your research there, Dr. Ramirez? Yes, um, there is a lot of hope for Alzheimer's. Research says that in order to develop Alzheimer's disease, there, this process starts 30, 40 years before you get the diagnosis. It's not something that you're going to get from today to tomorrow. Therefore, our choices that we are making are even either encouraging good mental health or you're actually encouraging the destructions of the connections of your brain. So um, research for major universities are showing some fantastic things that even people that have dementia at the beginning stages, they have been able to be stopped. If you're interested in, 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 in listening to the whole hypothesis, Google the following words. Audioverse.org, Dementia, Eddie Ramirez. Ramirez, R-A-M-I-R-E-S. Space. Yep. Dementia, space. Eddie Ramirez, and you will find there an MP3 file that you can download freely, and and you can hear the whole hypothesis as I explain the current research and even some clinical cases that have been published in the scientific literature showing how this reversal is possible. Okay, so I'm going to put that up on our. We'll, we'll find that link for you, and we'll get it up on our uh, Facebook page here on uh, Faith FM. And uh, just finally, okay. very quickly, I understand that you're also do- talking about depression and reversing depression. Of course, that's one of the the, the greatest pandemic I think that we're facing here in Australia and, and New Zealand as well. I would say. Um, and uh, just a couple of thoughts on on dealing with depression uh, very quickly in our last minute. Um, that, this is something I'm very involved with. Uh, we have a depression program that is showing a 95% response rate. And this uh, uh, program is helping people overcome that depression by dealing with the causes of depression. As you identify and deal with those causes, reversal of this disease is possible. If somebody's interested in, in checking out our research, there's more than 75 studies there. You Google the word ResearchGate and 
Francisco, like San Francisco Ramirez. That's the name I use when I publish my papers. Francisco Ramirez Research Gate as one word. And the first hit on Google there uh, will take you to some of those research papers that we have demonstrating that as you deal with the root causes of the disease, reversal is possible. That's fantastic. Dr. Ramirez, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for the invitation, and I hope our listeners, that they may be able to change those lifestyle principles, and as they do... It all comes down to the lips from the foundation of creation. It all comes down to the life put out in the center of revelation. listening to Alison Brooke with the Revelation song, Choose the Lamb, here on Faith FM. Well, we did things a little bit out of order this morning, Mon. We did, we had to We had to catch Dr. Ramirez in his very, very busy schedule mm-hmm. uh, while we could. And so we're uh, very so, so thankful that we were able to, um, to catch him. He was about to hit the road and to drive out of mobile phone range. And so we just... Uh, I'm really looking forward to him um, being live in our studio in, uh, in August when he yeah, comes over to Australia. Yeah, that's, that sounds fantastic. touring New Zealand with very, our brothers very over there. interesting, interesting uh, researcher. Mm. Okay, so I did promise we were going to talk about rhinoceroses, native rhinoceroses in the Philippines this morning. Oh, I'm so excited. But why don't we have a quiz question first? Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, who am I? This is a Bible character. Mm-hmm. My sister Miriam was struck with leprosy after she gossiped about my wife Zipporah. Okay. Mm. Who you, might that be? You, I know who that is. Yeah, me too. If you know who it is, <laughs> Yeah, because you looked at the answer. <laughs> the 1-800-FAITH-FM is 1-800-324-843. You can get the prize today. It's the hero of Hacksaw Ridge. I know, I, know, I know how else um, you know the answer to this one. How's that? Because you have a good friend named Zipporah. I do have a good friend named yeah. Zipporah. Yeah. I know Zipporah as well. <laughs> She's great. Okay. All right. So... Rhinoceros is in the okay. So this rhinoceros has been discovered in the Philippines. The skeleton thereof. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and this particular poor rhinoceros had been killed and butchered and eaten. That's terrible. Mm. This is not. This is not a happy story. Like I thought it was no. going to be. And supposedly, all of this took place maybe seven hundred thousand years ago. Excuse me? Or, or, or maybe one million years ago. Give or take a million years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they found that the skeleton of this particular rhinoceros has, uh, along with stone tools and cut marks on the bones where you can see that it's been butchered. 
And before this, the earliest supposed date for the arrival of humans in the Philippines was 67,000 years ago. So it's, this is the thing that fascinates me so much is that, you know, we are always hearing with such great confidence these numbers that are put forward by researchers and scientists, and they are constantly rewriting their textbooks. You know, that we yeah. were told my, my entire life growing up as a kid, we were told that uh, humans first arrived in Australia 40,000 years ago. Okay. And now they're saying it's more like 80,000 years ago. You know, that just changed, what was it, this year? Yeah. And, and you know, that's like double the, double the time span. Um, and so it sort of, it does not give me a whole lot of confidence, you see. They, no. they decided to date one of the teeth and the teeth came back at 700,000 years ago. And then so they decided to date the, uh, the volcanic material that was surrounding this dead rhinoceros um, that they had dug it out of. And it was one million years old. Okay. So the one million years old dirt around the rhinoceros arrived there 300,000 years before the rhinoceros. So it buried the rhinoceros 300,000 years before the rhinoceros died. But anyway, that's beside the point. The, the big question is, how did rhinoceroses arrive in the Philippines and how did Humans arrive in the Philippines, and what kind of humans were they that were involved in this kind of uh, exercise of butchering and eating this rhinoceros? So an evolutionist would tell you that um, the humans who were doing it were Homo erectus. <laughs> okay. okay. So again, we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. Uh, apparently, these were the, like you know, some of the early humans to stand upright. Mm-hmm. But how did they get to Luzon in the Philippines? So you've got this super primitive, supposedly super primitive human being who knows nothing about building boats or anything like that, isn't going to take large ocean voyages to sail out in the middle of nowhere and stumble upon the Philippines with enough people to establish a viable colony because, you know, when you get down to less than, you know, a couple of hundred of a species, it ceases to be viable as a species. Mm -hmm. So how did that many people get there? Well, you know what the theory is that we're being told? And this is, this is serious. People are, the, the scientists who are researching this are seriously putting this one forward. I'm very entertained, but go on. Okay, they arrived on a tsunami. That, like they surfed the tsunami wave in? Yes, they surfed it all the way from <laughs> wherever it originated from <laughs> and arrived there. So the rhinoceros. I hope they make this into a movie because it sounds humans, awesome fun. The humans, the Homo erectus. Uh, supposedly, um, and along with uh, what did I have written down here? Um, deer and freshwater turtles, because obviously freshwater turtles can't swim across the ocean to get there. They needed the tsunami as well. Yeah, so all of these arrived on the tsunami, they, and they and surprisingly, the Homo erectus, in, in, the in deer, a, and the turtles all knew how to surf. Yeah, and and in, in in large enough of a population base to be a viable population. Wow, it's so like a bunch of them turned up. Oh yeah, they all survived it. You know what I want to know? What? Why don't you see deer surfing anymore? I, <laughs> if they're evolving, hey, we had a big they? we had a big tsunami about twenty years ago in the Indian Ocean, right? I didn't see anything surf that. I didn't see anything surviving that pretty much. Yeah. I certainly didn't see species <laughs> crossing boundaries as a result and setting up viable populations somewhere else as a result of that, and multiple species. I, I, this is so entertaining. <laughs> okay, no, but this is this is like people take this stuff very very seriously. It's true. <laughs> okay, so what you've got is that uh, then you've got a number of problems, of course, because when it comes to um, you know Homo erectus and, and these missing links, of course, there is um, you could put all of the fossils we have of missing links would fit in one um, in one casket these days. Um, but if you look at the you know Neanderthal man. Um, is just a uh, a human being with rickets. Uh, skilled hunters, believers in the afterlife, skilled surgeons. Um, zero evidence from DNA of interbreeding between missing links. Um, the Piltdown Man was a human skull, an orangutan jaw, which was outed after 41 years. The Nebraska Man was made from a single tooth. They made a whole man out of him um, until an identical foot tooth was found in a pig's jaw. Then you've got the Java man, who was one of these Homo erectuses, mm-hmm. um, who was made out of the skull of a monkey and the legs of a human, uh, the skull cap and three teeth, by the way. That was all they found, not anything more than that. And the, the legs was one femur that was found 50 feet away, and in between them were three human skulls. 
Whoa. So the so you take the you take the uh, the skull cap from over here, the leg from over there. You ignore the, th- the three human skulls in between, and you add that leg to that skull cap, and ha ha, we have Java Man. Okay, so we've got someone calling through who would like to uh, to make um, some comments on this. And uh, let me just um, – so we've got Miriam from – oh, no, Miriam from Western Australia who wants to answer the quiz. Ooh, yes. go on, Miriam. Miriam, welcome to the show. Yeah, hello. Miriam, do you have an answer for our quiz this morning? Yes, I do. And what would your answer be? Um, the question was regarding Miriam, right? Yes. That's the question. Um, yeah. So is I'm that – with Moses. Yay! You got it right! Woo! Congratulations! We're going to send you a copy of the book Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. Well done! Thank you. Congratulations, Miriam, and thank you so much for being a part of the show today. So just had to interrupt this interesting story there to uh, have Miriam answer the quiz. It's great to have a uh, caller coming through. And maybe, you've got, maybe you'd like to comment on this particular story. We, we've got plenty of time left this morning on the open line number. Just give us a call. But uh, just very quickly before we finish up, here in Australia, of course, mm-hmm. um, in the cow swamp in Victoria, that's K-O-W swamp in Victoria, they found Homo erectus skulls with human skeletons. Okay. Because they never had complete ones before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a problem. How do you have a Homo erectus skull with a human skeleton? And then they found that these were only supposedly 15,000 years old and the Homo erectus was supposed to have died out 300,000 years ago. And then they found other skulls um, which were human-like skull, yeah, total, totally human skulls in the Lake Mungo area that were 35,000 years old. So the humans are older than the Homo erectuses. I feel like our scientists are floundering around, constantly swapping and changing. About, oh, 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 nah, oh, oh, and they haven't really figured anything out whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and they're making stuff up so that they can... A lot of this stuff, you know, because it's so old and because there's so little that you can prove from anything that is so mm-hmm. old, you make something up, you publish it with great confidence, mm-hmm. you make a name for yourself and it's like, yes, I've discovered a new species. Yes, I've discovered a missing link. And all you've ever discovered is either an ugly human... Mm-hmm or what we might call an ugly human because that's entirely in the eyes of the beholder, um, or you found a monkey yeah, of a different species. Which is every every. It's like the most, the most complete missing link is Lucy, right? Mm-hmm. Well. And Lucy was – her legs were found um, two kilometres away from her skull. Wow. And there's a whole statue of Lucy in the um, Natural History Museum. I wonder how long DC. that one's going to last. Because I still, as of yet, haven't found a confirmed missing link at all. It's like the like you just read out the hall of infamous non-missing oh, it just goes links. On and I could go on and on all day about it. Give us a call if you have uh, any missing links to tell us about. 1-800-FAITH-FM. But let's just have this song. It's, called, it's based on Psalm 69. Save me. For the waters have come up to my neck I sink in the depths Where there is no
disgraced because of me My eyes fail looking for you 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 For you isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you.